What's going on, everybody? Welcome to our weekly episode of At Large Bid, your podcast for everything college basketball. And before we get into this podcast, guys, do me a favor. Subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, follow us on whatever you're watching us on, as that really helps us out a lot. I'm Parker Fields here, as always, with my co-host, Neil Meyer. Neil, how are you doing today, my guy? Good. How are you, Parker? Pretty good. Excited to talk some college hoops. Uh, a lot went down this weekend. We'll talk about the AP polls first. Uh, what are your thoughts on the AP polls and the new new number one once again? Yeah, so Houston jumps back up to the number one spot overall. I think Houston uh, has earned that number one spot here as of late after Purdue suffered their two straight losses, jumped back down to number five. So it's a lot. It's a lot shaken up. Just a few teams go up and down. So I really like this AP poll this week. I do too. I think it's it, it, it's very consistent. Like I I like these rankings. I don't really disagree with much on here, honestly. Um, just a couple teams that took a big bump. There's really nobody, honestly, besides Northwestern. Obviously, they're in it now as they were 27th last week, not in the polls. And then Providence jumped four spots. But outside of those two, nobody jumped more than two spots, and nobody fell more than three spots. So it, it really not a big jump in the polls whatsoever. It really stayed consistent yeah i think you uh hit the nail on the coffin there i think the biggest jump we saw was providence up from 24 to 20 and iowa state from 19 down to 23 i think those were the only big jumps everything else is pretty very consistent i mean one team we both know xavier held held put right there at 16 didn't go up or down a lot of consistency uh bama's right back in there in the top two sitting at number two kansas is making a good climb so Overall, I think this AP pool is very consistent, as you mentioned, and I'm kind of liking to see where things are heading now. Yeah, I agree with you, Neil. And what shocks me, honestly, is Tennessee not falling more than one spot. That actually shocks me a lot because, like, I mean, I am a Kentucky fan, but not even biased here. Tennessee looked horrible in that game. Kentucky exposed their offense, and they've been getting exposed by multiple teams, not just Kentucky recently. They can't go, uh, They can't score at all. Like, at all. Their offense looks horrible. It hasn't really looked good in weeks, and uh, I'm shocked that they kept that, you know, top 11 ranking. Yeah, no, I'm there. I'm right there with you. I thought Tennessee has really struggled as of late. I mean, I've been saying this, I think, on our first two episodes where I wasn't impressed in their win over. Yeah, we've been talking about this every week. Yeah, I haven't been too impressed with Tennessee, in all fair honesty. Um, that 46-43 to versus Auburn, like, 
a top 20 showdown, you got to score more than 99 points or, or 89 points in the as a whole team, like in the whole game. You can't go 46-43 versus a top team like that. Like you got to find some offensive production. But yeah, I'm really surprised to see them sitting at 11. I thought they definitely would have maybe fallen outside of top 14, top 15. I thought they definitely would have been on the lower end of the uh, AP poll, but they held strong right there at 11. So I, I was very shocked to see that. Yeah, extremely. And I just, I didn't see that coming at all. Like I thought they were going to slide to like maybe 14 or 15, honestly. I thought Gonzaga definitely would have jumped them as they've definitely been playing better as of late, even though we all know Gonzaga plays nobody really. <laughs> they have yeah. been playing better though and have been looking better. So I did expect them to, you know, at least jump a couple spots, you know, like I was uh, expecting to Gonzaga to at least jump Tennessee is what I'm trying to say. And then, yeah, after that, like really nothing jumps out at you. I mean, Indiana dropped three spots, but Indiana's looked really good still. And Trace Jackson Davis has been on a different level. So like, I mean, it, it really, <laughs> that's the only, that's like the biggest drop off after their loss to Northwestern. But I mean, Northwestern beat Purdue too. So it's like, Northwestern's a good team. That's not a bad loss. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Northwestern because they're making their first appearance in the top 25 this season, coming in at 21 this week. And obviously they have the win at Indiana. They have the huge win at Purdue. I mean, Northwestern's starting to turn things on. And at, like you mentioned, that Northwestern team is a very dangerous team. Like they're, oh, they're yeah. overlooked. They've been <laughs> overlooked all season. And I'm I'm very curious to see how Northwestern will respond here down the final week and a half, two weeks of the season heading into conference play. For sure. And last week, um, I talked about Chase Adige and how well he's played this year. Mm -hmm. But, like, overall as a team, they've just looked great. And uh, they're looking like they can definitely, you know, make a little make a little noise in that Big Ten tournament, make a little noise in the uh, NCAA tournament because they're pretty much a lock to get in at this point. Yeah, I agree with you there. And you mentioned Gonzaga. I mean, we mentioned how they haven't played anybody they St. Mary's, the that's it. <laughs> they have St. Mary's this Saturday, too. So a, a top 15 battle. It's a 12 versus 15 matchup. I St. Mary's got the best of them in the first round, if I remember right. But Saturday night at 10 p.m., St. Mary's versus Gonzaga for a top 15 showdown. I'll be curious to see how Gonzaga comes out. I mean, St. Mary's has been on a roll lately. Logan Johnson has really been turning things up a notch for the St. Mary's here in the final weeks. I mean, he's been their leading scorer all season. So I'm curious to see how that one plays out in terms of St. Mary's and Gonzaga on Saturday. Yeah, that should be a good good showdown between two kind of smaller schools, but two schools that are always, you know, pretty big powerhouses for uh, their level, especially especially Gonzaga. But St. Mary's is always good, and they're always that one team, you know, that can give Gonzaga fits and uh, their conference and everything like that. Um, nothing else really jumps off the page to me, like in the rankings. Uh and the receiving votes, Kentucky's back to receiving votes. Um, they're 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 they definitely got a big boost this week from uh, some big wins and another huge win over Tennessee as they've beat Tennessee twice. Um, Duke is receiving votes and North Carolina, which is the the clickbait of this video. North Carolina is sliding out of tournament contention as they have been struggling, struggling. So, what are your thoughts on this North Carolina team? First is what I hear want to hear because. I don't know if you watched them yesterday. Um, why am I blanking on who they played? I literally watched the game. Um, North Carolina State. Sorry. Yeah. Um, they just they don't have much offense. Like it's like Caleb Love late shot clock step back or throw it into Baycott, and that's really what yeah, they that's, got. That's all they got, just about. R.J. Davis and Caleb Love late shot clock step backs, and then 
Baycott on the block. That's really all they got. Yeah. It's looking like the manic loss was huge for them, spacing-wise. Yeah, no, most definitely. And, I mean, this UNC team is really struggling this season. Like, as we mentioned, they're slipping out of tournament contention here as of late. Currently 16-11 and 11 on the season, 8-8 eight and eight in uh, ACC play. Like, I think that's the worst record they've had in recent years within the conference play. I mean, Looking down, they have key losses versus Iowa State, who is now sliding out of the top 25 as well. They had that opportunity to get that big win versus a Big 12 opponent. I think their best game of the season was the 103-101 loss to Alabama in four overtimes. But they have a lot of – they had a lot of opportunities to get that big win. That was when they were win. still ranked number one too. Yeah, they had a lot of opportunities to mm-hmm. get those big wins. I mean, Indiana blew them out by 12. The Bama game is huge because now Bama's sitting at number two. But I think that biggest loss is Iowa State. Like, that's the loss that's probably going to be the substantial difference one. But their best win, me personally, outside of AAC play, they had the win versus Charleston earlier in the year. Charleston was once now in the top 25. They're still receiving votes, but they're more on the back end of the receiving votes. I think I saw them at like 32, 33 uh, before we got on here. So Yeah, they got four votes. But They're one spot North, ahead of Duke. I think for North Carolina, like these next four games are crucial. They get, if they, they win, if they win out, I think they'll get in the tournament. I do. Yeah, they have to win out, but that includes going on the road to Virginia, the most so boring, boring team in college basketball. Me and Neil talked about it earlier. God. <laughs> yeah. No. So they got next four for North Carolina includes Notre Dame, Virginia, Florida State, and Duke. Obviously, the Blue Bloods uh, are struggling this year with Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky now on the climb. They have the two big wins over Tennessee. Michigan State struggling too. Yeah, Michigan State is also a team that's struggling in the Big Ten this year. But overall, like these four games stretch here heading into conference tournament is going to be the difference maker for North Carolina. Yeah, and the thing is, I want this North Carolina team to get into the tournament biased-wise because I think they have a lot of fun players on their team, and I would like to you know, see them in the tournament because I think they could make some noise potentially if they got in. Um, it's just like, are these? do you think these guys are regretting coming back to college this year? I mean, probably. Caleb Love would have gotten drafted for sure. He probably would have been a first-round pick. He probably yeah, would have ended up being a, a first-round pick. Baycott well. probably would have ended up being a late first-round pick, early second-round second. pick. They would have both been drafted. I mean, R.J. Davis probably would have came back to school either way. But, like, Love and Baycott, like, you think they're regretting coming back to college? I, I mean, I probably. Especially, yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, Love was going to be a first-round pick. And do you think he's still first-round talent? Uh, I'd, I'd say he falls to the second round if me personally yeah, I think he's I, a second rounder now. I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. It's like he was going to be a first-round pick very likely. And, uh, yeah, and I think this North Carolina team, as you mentioned, like on the aspect of returning for this season, obviously they sh- they had a sour taste in their mouth after the national championship game last year to Kansas. That was Bay- a, they had that game. They had the game wrapped up. They see Baycott go down with the injury. Come how much back. were they up? Yeah, they how much, were up. How much were they up? Wasn't it like 30 close to? They were up a good amount. Uh, I think it was like 18, something like that. They were up a decent amount. But then you throw the factor into of them returning this year, like they A, had that sour taste in their mouth, then you had the whole NIL opportunities, 
all of that aspect. So I think now, like seeing all the talent they brought back, they definitely should definitely should be better than an eight and eight team within the ACC. Mm-hmm. For sure. I don't know though. Who knows if they're going to get in? Honestly, at this point, we'll have to see. They definitely got to step it up. But I mean, this team could do what they did last year, and you know, heat up now. Because this is what they did last year. They were on the outside looking in of the tournament last year uh, around this time. And then they really turned it on, made a deep run in the ACC tournament, and then ended up making a deep run in the NCAA tournament. So uh, this team, for sure, though. Yeah, but they they definitely could still get in, for sure. Um, Kentucky's definitely looked much better recently. Um, they're looking like, you know, they could end up being a four or five seed if they keep it up and, you know, went out or something. They could definitely end up getting – you know, a couple rounds of home court advantage, even though it's not home court, but of being the home team in the tournament. Uh, they're looking much better recently. Um, the big thing has been Kentucky's defense. Their defense just was swarming on Saturday. They looked great. Cason Wallace showed why he's a potential lottery pick on Saturday. He was the best player mm-hmm. on the floor the whole game. Um, I mean, in the stat sheet, like he didn't drop 30 points or anything, but just stuffs the stat sheet all around. Steals, block, assist, rebounds, points. He does it all. Um, Shibwe really hasn't been the same player as he was last year, but he's still one of the best players in the country. He's still going to be probably a second or third team All-American. He's still been a really solid player. And, uh, yeah, they, they looked really good though. Yeah. I thought they looked great this weekend. I mean, this Kentucky team has really turned it up a notch as of late here in SEC play. I mean, you look at the record, they have the two, they have the season sweep of Tennessee. Those are the two, two big wins for them this year obviously now as we discussed earlier Tennessee sitting at 11 like those two wins over Tennessee holds tremendous weight for John Calipari in Kentucky but then you look down their their record 18 and 9 on the season 9 to 5 in SEC play but overall I mean the loss that I think is hurting them the most was that early season loss versus Michigan State as you mentioned I mean that's a it's only a nine point loss but that's still a substantial loss that could end up holding a good amount of weight. Yeah, it was a nine-point loss, and that was a game they completely blew, too. I believe they were up, like, three with, like, four seconds left in regulation. Michigan State tied it, obviously, sent to overtime, and then Michigan State dominated the overtime period. It, or it maybe, it maybe went to two overtimes. It went to two OTs. Yeah, I was two about OTs. to say it. Couldn't remember. Yeah, I think it went to two OTs. Um, but, yeah, that's a bad loss. Kentucky's had a few bad losses, but – um. I don't know. They they seem to be getting better, but then they just seem to have spells and lapses. So I don't know. Maybe they found something, but I'm not going to count on it. I'm not going to get my hopes up too much. Um, and then Duke, they've been the most just like meh of the three is what I want to yeah. say. Like there hasn't been that many ups or downs. Like North Carolina and Kentucky have both had higher highs than Duke, but also lower lows. Like Duke's just been steadily okay all season long. Like, they just haven't been great, but they haven't been bad. Like, Kentucky and North Carolina both gone on stretches where they look bad. Like, North Carolina's on one right now. And Kentucky definitely went on some stretches earlier in the season where you're like, is this team going to be 500 at the end of the year? (laughs) And Duke hasn't had that, but they just haven't been like, wow, this team, you know, could win the championship potentially at any points, really. They've just been very meh. Because, I mean, let's be real here. A duo of Filipowski and... Jeremy Roach is your two best players is probably not winning a title. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm there with you on that one. But I know we talked about this Duke team. I mean, 
look at their schedule from this year, looking back on their recent games, they fall to Kansas just by five. So that was a close game. They got blown out by Purdue. I mean, Purdue's been the powerhouse for most of the season, most of the college basketball season. And then you look down at the schedule, that 84 to 60 loss to NC State was a horrible, and I mean a horrible <laughs> a loss. Horrible loss. A exactly. horrible loss for Duke. But they did have the two good wins, Xavier in the PK 85. And then they overall had the 68 to 66 win over Miami of Florida back in late January. But then the way just Miami responded in the second matchup um, two weeks ago, that was a game we talked about on one of our earlier episodes of, hey, this could be that game for Duke to really kind of get that key win, put themselves back on the map in that tournament talk. And then mm-hmm. Miami just came in and absolutely manhandled them. I think it was 81 to 52, like a 30-point loss. Like that Miami, that Miami of Florida team's turning things on as of late as well. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. All three of these teams have been, you know, up and down, but uh, got to continue to cover them until they're out because those three pretty much have the biggest fan bases, Kansas as well. And I know. will say this right now. It starts tonight for Duke. They cannot lose to Louisville. If they lose to Louisville, they might not get in. (laughs) If they lose tonight to Louisville, that Louisville loss will be the one that keeps them out of this. Because it's at Duke. It's at Louisville. Is that Duke? I think it's at Louisville. Is it? I believe so. I believe it is at Duke or is that Louisville? But however, like that that substantial loss, if they fall to Louisville, like Hey, it's got to – that's going to be the one that holds that weight. Is it at Duke or Louisville? I'm pulling it up right now, I believe. It's at Duke. I just at Duke. That. Okay, so I was wrong. At Duke, at home, like, at home, they should blow that Louisville team out by 20-plus. Yeah, Louisville's definitely been playing better, but um, they're still not good. <laughs> they're still not yeah. good by any means. But, I mean, shout to Kenny Payne for, you know, keeping that team's spirits up because – I don't think there's a lot of coaches that could have gotten them to still fight the way they have because this season has been horrible. And it's not like this is a, t- a program that's accustomed to losing. Like, this is one of the 10 greatest college basketball programs ever. No, like, most definitely. Literally one of the 10 best programs ever. This is a storied program. And to keep them to have their spirits high and keep fighting game after game when you know they could have quit and never won a game all season. They, they really yeah, could have quit heading into – Heading Maui. Into January. They could have quit heading to Maui when they were like 0 and 5 and had lost to like three or four mid-major schools, but they didn't. Kenny Payne did a really good job of, you know, like just keeping, keeping the spirits high on this team and keeping them together because they're not the most talented team. Obviously, a lot of these players are like a couple of them are from Kentucky and aren't weren't five-star recruits. They were like three-star recruits and had pretty much mid-major offers outside of Louisville. <laughs> so it's like yeah, yeah he's, I mean, he's done a good job. It's always tough, too, when you start a season. What I believe they started, what, 0 for 11 before they got that first win? Like, an 0 and 11 start is awful. Like, you you never see that really in college basketball, especially from a high, talented program like Louisville. So, I think they started to kind of build momentum here down the stretch. I mean, obviously, new coaches, you got to give them time. You got to let the program work. They got to run their course. You're going to have your trials, tribulations, your ups and downs, but I mean, Louisville is also coming off a huge win over Clemson this weekend. So I'll be curious to see how that game goes tonight for Duke. 
Yeah, and uh, let's preview a big-time matchup tonight. Uh, TCU, or sorry, 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 let's not preview that yet. We're going to preview that last. Let's talk about Kansas-Baylor over the weekend. I was going to preview the Kansas game tonight, but we'll talk about Kansas-Baylor first from over the weekend. Um, Baylor obviously got out to a 15-point lead, was dominating that game in the first half. Jalen Wilson, for the first, like, 17 minutes, was literally invisible, didn't do anything. And Grady yeah. Dick, Grady Dick really was the only one who really did anything in the first half, and he didn't do much. He had, like, eight points, I believe. And uh, they just looked really just out of sorts in that first half. However, Bill Self must have done something at halftime because that game was a game of two halves. Is Kansas outscored that team by like 30 in the second half. Yeah, so looking at it, it was 55 to 26 point differential in the second half. So 29 point differential. That's crazy. And they were trailing by 13 at the half. It was all Baylor, 45 to 32 at the end of one. Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick just turned it on in the second half. But Kansas, like overall, like they're playing their best ball right now. They had two wins versus top 10 teams in the last week. Then they go into Baylor or they go take down Baylor at home. Like that's a huge win. Like I, me personally, I know we talked about this off the record a little bit just now, but this, this Kansas team could really make a good run at the end of the tournament. And I would not be surprised to see them make that final four, even make it back to the title game. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either by any means. Um, They've definitely looked a lot better recently and have been looking like one of the best teams in the country for sure. Um, looking forward to their game tonight versus TCU. I want to see if Grady Dick can step up tonight. He's struggled tremendously when they're not at Allen Fieldhouse. Like, he has not been good on the road really whatsoever all season long, especially in Big 12 play, obviously, because um, the road games, obviously, pre-Big 12 were likely just uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? An arena where uh, it's nobody's at Hostile home. environment? No, where arena's not nobody's at home. Neutral site. Neutral, Neutral site. site. That's what I was looking for. Um, yeah, and uh, Big 12 play, he's really been just bad on the road. And I want to see if he can step up and give Jalen Wilson some help because Jalen Wilson has really been their only player when they're on the road this season, to be honest. Yeah, and this is a, this is a must-win opportunity for TCU tonight. Obviously, they've been on a downward stretch. And, and they did beat – Kansas by 25 in the first matchup. Yeah. At Kansas, too. Yeah, this is a must win for TCU. Obviously, they've been without Mike Miles due to a hyperextended knee. Mike Miles is now back. But the difference maker in that first matchup was Shahada Wells. I mean, he came off the bench, put up 17 points, went seven for eight from the field. Like, if TCU can get a performance from Wells tonight off the bench alongside Damian Ball. Uh, Mike Miles, Eddie Lumpkin on the inside, who's been battling an ankle injury. I, I believe he's now about fully healthy. Yeah. If they can get a performance from Shahada Wells off the bench like that again tonight, I think that TCU team could go and get that big win they need. But however, TCU is currently two-point favorites heading into this one. But this is a Kansas team that is currently on a four-game win streak, looking to make it five. They have all the momentum building up to them. They have three of the four wins have been over top 15 teams in the last two weeks. So Kansas is on a hot stretch right now, but I will agree with you, Parker. It's going to come down to a game of how Grady Dick performs tonight. 
Yeah, because yeah, he's he's definitely struggled on the road. Um, I want to pull up his stats here just so I can take a look at like what he's done on the road, so I actually have information to tell you. But like on the road this season, like besides he had twenty six his last time out against Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State's not one of the best teams in the Big Twelve by any means. Outside of that, he's gone eight points, seven points, nine points, thirteen against Kentucky, and yeah, he's been struggling. Thirteen against Kentucky, but that was on. 4-12 shooting, so not a very good night by any means. 4-12 shooting, not not looking forward to that. And 1-5 of five from 3, not great. So he needs to step up tonight because Wilson has really been their only guy on the road. And Dick has scored, you know, decent, had some decent games, but a lot of those games were just because just purely shooting a lot of shots, just getting a high volume of shots. And against Baylor, he wasn't great either. 6-18 um, for 16 points. Obviously, he scored those 16 points because of the amount of shots he took. But um, I just really think he needs to step up because last time versus TCU, Dick only had eight points. Um, Jalen Wilson had 30 and was really the only reason Kansas did literally anything that game because um, really he got no help from anybody else. He only had one other uh, double-digit score, Kevin McCarr Jr. with uh, 10 points. So, like, he really didn't have help from anybody, to be honest. Yeah, and it's good thing you brought up those statistics because Grady Dick, like, uh, has – Kansas has gone – they've won six of their last seven, including four straight. But in their 87-76 uh, to 76 victory over Oklahoma State last week, Grady Dick had his best shooting night of the season. Uh, in my opinion, he went 10 of 17 from the field for 26 points. And then in the win over Texas, when Texas was ranked number five, Back on the 6th of February in an 88 to 80 victory, he went seven of 11 for 21. So, overall, in this four game stretch, like he's averaging double digits just about. He went 21, 8, 26, and 16 in the last four. So, obviously, you factor in that eight point game, but Grady Dick is starting to turn things on as of late, and that's what Kansas needs. Oh, for sure. Um, if Grady Dick can play well tonight, I think they have a really good shot of winning this game, but he's really their only other like guy who can you know go get a bucket besides Jalen uh uh sorry Jalen Wilson. Wilson I was about to call him Jalen Williams Jalen Wilson and uh yeah they definitely need some help or he definitely needs some help tonight um outside of that were there any other big games uh you're looking forward to tonight or over the weekend because the only other um high major games tonight really are Louisville Duke and then uh Oklahoma State West Virginia which I mean should just be a shootout between two of the worst defensive teams in the Big 12 and two of the not-so-great defensive or teams, period, in the Big 12. Like, they're not bad by any means, but that's just how deep the Big 12 is. Yeah, the Big 12 is deep. I believe there are six teams from the Big 12. Yeah, they, receiving votes. Uh, it's saying right now that they might be the first conference uh, ever to have six teams be a four-seater higher. It's still possible. Yeah, which um, is crazy. Crazy. Yeah. What they need to happen is, I believe, is it Oklahoma State or um, – yeah, it's Oklahoma State. If Oklahoma State can pick it up, they could have four or six teams be a four-seater higher, which is Yeah, and that's crazy. Insane. I mean, the Big 12 is absolutely, absolutely loaded in terms of basketball. So we can preview another matchup. I'm it's curious. actually seven teams. Sorry. Seven teams is even even better. <laughs> six teams currently ranked. Seven teams could – so, yeah, a good a Big 12 matchup we can preview tomorrow night. Number nine, Baylor versus number 14, Kansas State. Kansas State's on a, a little skid right now. Obviously, they've taken a big drop. They got a big win, though, this weekend. Yeah, they did they have a big win back. this weekend. 
But I'll be curious to see how Baylor responds after their loss to Kansas over the weekend. Yeah, this is going to be a good one tomorrow night. I'm excited to watch this game for sure. Um, I was telling Neil, I've been watching so much college basketball recently with no NBA. There's no football, obviously. There's nothing else to watch. College basketball or the XFL on the weekends, if you want to watch that. And uh, this should be a really good matchup between two very good teams. Um Big key for uh, for Kansas State is obviously Keontae Johnson. He's going to need to be big because they need them to be big pretty much if they want to win games because they've been struggling recently to get help. And, I mean, if, if he can go give you 20 or something, that's going to help you a lot uh, tremendously to win that game. And Baylor's shown, you know, they've been giving up a lot of points to some star players recently. Like, you could definitely go out and get 20 on them. Yeah, most definitely. And I know you're a big uh, follower of the Big East. There's two big matchups in the Big East this week. You have uh, Marquette versus Creighton, and then you have Providence versus UConn on Saturday. So I would love to hear your thoughts, Parker. Obviously, you were a guy that got to watch this Marquette team in person this year, along with Creighton, and then Providence, Providence and UConn. Like that's another big matchup. I mean, Providence is looking for the series sweep over UConn. UConn came into the season, I believe, ranked top five. I've now fallen their way out. They're now bouncing their way back. They were number one at one spot. Or one point, they were number one. Yeah, I saw they were number one at one point, and then they were down to like number two, three. They like were, they yeah, they them. were they were one when Xavier beat them. Yeah, they bounced all over the place. So I mean, overall, like I'd love to hear your thoughts on that uh, little Big East action this week. Um, first off, for that UConn game, uh, UConn Providence, I'm really excited to watch this one because I want to see what they can throw at Bryce Hopkins, UConn, because UConn defensively is really solid when they're all locked in and engaged. Definitely one of the best defensive teams, probably the best defensive team in the Big East. Like when they're engaged, they just they can make a game ugly. They can make a really <laughs> game really ugly, and that doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at. Like you can look at a lot of their box scores. Like these games are in the fifties. Like this UConn team could defend Jordan Hawkins. I mean, watching him defend, he's an elite defender when he's locked in. Like that guy is so lengthy. He can always make plays and everything like that. And I want to see what they throw at Bryce Hopkins. Do they bring a double? Do they put Jordan Hawkins on him? Do they throw a bigger guy like Andre Jackson at him? I want to know because, I mean, Bryce Hopkins has been the biggest surprise, I feel like, of the college basketball world this year. Yeah, no, most definitely. And it's crazy, too. Because to think, I think I, Bryce Hopkins is the Big East player of the year, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I, I think he's right up there. Obviously, Sully Boom is in contention for that as well. But I think it's got to go to Bryce Hopkins. Yeah, if, right now, it's got to go to Hopkins. But I would be curious, too. Like, the thing I'm looking forward to, in that matchup for UConn, obviously he was a guy I saw up close and personal uh, when he was in the a uh, AAC at East Carolina. How will Tristan Newton respond versus Providence? He was held to just six points there in the first matchup, but I think in order for UConn to get this get this big win, they have to find a way to get the production from Sonogo. and they have to get production from Tristan Newton as well. Like if they can get Tristan Newton going, like. I've seen it up close and personal when I covered him last year. When Tristan Newton gets hot, like he's capable of putting up twenty. Oh, 25. for sure. He had a slow game versus he had a slow game versus Xavier this year when I was there. I mean, uh, take a look at it. yeah, first game versus Xavier. I was about to say six points. He had a slow game versus Xavier when I watched him uh, up close this year. But then the second game I watched on TV against Xavier, he had 23. 23 in the second game. So that shows you he's a very hot and cold kind of scorer. Like, he'll have these two-point games, but then he'll also drop 20 the next night. So if he can play big, that definitely helps him a lot. 
like you said with Sonogo, um, he's been struggling recently. Teams have sort of been doubling him, and he really hasn't been knowing what to do in those double-team situations. Yeah, and I mentioned Tristan Newton just because I'm looking back at UConn's schedule here as of late. When Tristan Newton has scored in double figures, this UConn team is very dangerous. They had the big win versus Marquette. Tristan Newton finished with 12 on 4-9 shooting, but he also had 12 assists. Like, that's 12 assists. Yeah, triple-double. Yeah, and 10 rebounds. Yeah, that's a triple-double. Like, that's a huge performance. But obviously, it's not saying, hey, Tristan, go out here and get a triple-double every night. No. But if you can get a 12-6, and 12-7 and kind of night from Tristan Newton, that's that's phenomenal. But you're looking back at the stat sheet. When he is scoring in double digits, like, he helps this team tremendously. And, I mean, in their 56-53 to 53 loss to Creighton uh, last weekend, he was held to just two points in 26 minutes. Like, and you lose by three, like that, that could be the difference maker. Like he could be that guy. Like we know the X factor player he's capable of being, but I think in order for UConn to be successful here versus Providence, they're going to have to find a way to get Tristan Newton going. And uh, a key here for, for UConn defensively is if they can get Bryce Hopkins, you know, to have to turn immediately off the drive, if you can bump him, um, like immediately off the drive and not let him, you know, get a straight line to the rim. Like you, you can be successful, but if you let Bryce Hopkins, you know, get that straight line to the rim and it's just, you know, you don't get physical with him up top. Like he's going to go score a lot of points. Yeah, make, oh yeah. Make Bryce Hopkins beat you with his jump shot. I know he's shooting 40% from three. However, it's just, it's a little more, it's a little more, um, I don't want to say safer, but what's that? He's not going to be a guy shooting step-back threes is what I'm trying to say. He only takes two attempts per game. He shoots when he's open. You know what I mean? Like, he's a really good shooter, but he shoots when he's open. He's not a guy who's going to be looking for the three. So, make Hopkins beat you with his jump shot. Contest, get a hand up, make him take some tough jump shots. Don't let him get to that rim because if he can get to that rim, get that right hand, it's going to be a tough night for you guys defensively. Yeah, most definitely. I think they got to make Hopkins – use his jump shot because you just let him play bully ball inside like it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard night like providence could easily go on the road go up he's 10. the biggest six seven guy in the country <laughs> no absolutely absolutely but we can preview one more game before we talk into the kansas tcu game tonight indiana versus purdue purdue's going to look to revenge that loss that they suffered two weeks ago it was a 79 74 um, I'm very curious to see how this, this game goes because, as we mentioned, Trace Jackson Davis has been playing on a whole nother level. I mean, this is maybe this is maybe the top two candidates for player of the year this year in the country. I mean, it yeah. was looking like Zach Eady was kind of running away with it, but Trace Jackson Davis has just been on an absolute tear recently. And this guy might might have something to say about that National Player of the Year trophy. Yeah, no, most definitely, and that's a, that's a huge win for Indiana. They're uh, back. It was at home in Assembly Hall. Like, get a huge upset like that. But let's let's preview that other matchup. That first game, Zach Eady went 15 of 19 from the field, 18 rebounds. They don't have anybody to guard Eady. That's the problem because yeah. Trace Jackson mm-hmm. Davis is not now. Eady can't guard him either. 
No, absolutely. Like what Trace Jackson Davis is capable of doing, like he can beat you with the jump shot. Like Davis is a lot, he's he's a lot quicker too. The fact that he can definitely take Edie out to the perimeter more and you know get to the rack and stuff like that, hit that little 15 footer like Neil just talked about. Um, not gonna beat you with the three as he literally hasn't attempted a three-pointer all season long. <laughs> but uh he definitely can beat you with that mid-range game. Um, but He's not big enough to guard Edie. I mean, Davis is only 6'9. Edie's 7'4. And then Ray yeah, Thompson is only Race Thompson is only like 6'8, I want to say. Let me look. How tall is Race Thompson? I believe six, he's 6'8. Six, six, eight, six, eight, six, yeah, 6'8. Six, so 6'9 and 6'8 against uh 7'4. That's a tough matchup. However, yeah. I do think a good strategy for Indiana here is like, okay, Mike Woodson, listen. You can't guard Edie. You know how you can guard Edie, though? Get him out of the game. Attack him with the Jackson Davis and get him in foul trouble. That's pretty much the only way teams have been able to slow down Edie is get that dude in foul trouble. Yeah, no, most definitely. And that's that's the thing. I Trace think that's Jackson a good Davis a good move for them. Yeah, 100%. Dude shoots a lot of free throws. Yeah, and looking back on Trace Jackson Davis's stat line from the first matchup, I mean, 25 points, 7 rebounds, Five blocks. Five and that was blocks. before this tear he's on right now, yeah. so it might be crazier. Yeah, we're talking five blocks versus a number one team in the country with arguably a seven-footer who's going to reign, potentially win player of the year. Like, let's be honest. Like, that's I think we mentioned it, Parker. That's what, a seven-foot or seven-inch height dif- like differential? Like, that's absurd. Yeah, if Jackson Davis could get a three-point shot, this guy should be a first-round pick, like legitimately. He could be a very – I could see him being a like a, a better Grant Williams in the NBA if he could get a three-point shot is what I could see. Out of, like he could be a really good player in the NBA. He just – he needs to get that three-point shot. But I think he could do it because he's a good free-throw shooter, uh, at least decent, not horrible by – 70% from it for his career every year. So, like, he's solid from the free throw line. And, like, he has the potential there. So, if he could get a three, like, I mean, he could definitely expand his game and get on some draft boards, like, higher. Yeah, and we're talking about a guy in Trace Jackson Davis who has been on an absolute tear. He has had five straight games of 20 points or more. He had 25 versus Purdue in the first four, matchup. Four straight with 10 or more rebounds. Uh, Six or more assists in two of those games, too. And then you look back earlier this season, he had a 21 and 25 night versus Minnesota. And then he had a big 10 and 18 versus Ohio State. He had another 20 and 18 in their loss to Maryland. But overall, like Trace Jackson Davis has been on an absolute tear. Yeah. I, I think if they beat Purdue and, you know, he goes out there and drops 30 and 15 or something crazy and he outplays Edie. There'll be some Trace Jackson Davis player of the year. Yeah, no, most definitely. Like, Trace Jackson Davis's name needs to be in contention for player of the year. It just has to. This guy's averaging 21 points a game, 11 rebounds, but he's shooting nearly 60% from the field. Yeah. Like, what he can do for that Indiana team. Like, he's he was dominating last year. Like, I was me personally, I was surprised to even see him come back. For his yeah, a hundred percent. This guy, it feels like has been a twenty point per game scorer in college since nineteen seventy eight. Is what it feels like. <laughs> like literally, like this guy's been in college for so long. It feels like even though he's only a true senior, 
I guess this is only his fourth year. It's just he's been good the whole time. Like, tell you, look, he's averaged. I mean, his freshman year, he averaged 14 points a game. He was a five-star recruit, if you remember. He was a highly uh, talented prospect. Averaged 14 and uh, almost nine his freshman year. Then sophomore year, 19 and nine. Junior year, 18 and eight. And then this year, 20 and 11, 21 and 11 almost. So, like, this guy's been an elite player for a while now in college basketball. Yeah, and that's the crazy thing. But for them to be up there in this tournament, I think we have to see a great game from Trace Jackson Davis. Sorry, I accidentally got kicked. No, you're good. We have to see a great game from Trace Jackson Davis. But what I'm really curious from the Indiana aspect of things is how will their guard play come out? They have a tremendous backcourt. Jalen Hood-Shafino is a dominant point guard, obviously. He's a young, he's a true freshman, seeing significant time. Very fun player to watch. Very fun player to watch. Miller Koff. Uh, Miller Kopp has transitioned. He was a Northwestern transfer. Is starting to see significant minutes for uh, the Hoosiers as well. But overall, like this Indiana team, it's it's a fun team to watch. Like, no, I, this I, this team's good. Team I I is this one in Purdue or at Purdue or at Indiana? Uh, yes, at Purdue. That that makes me feel a little bit different. But like, I think this team does have a shot to you know to beat this Purdue team. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, Assembly Hall is one of the most historical places to play in all of college basketball. Like, we have seen it personally. Like, I know I have been in there for a game, or a game or two, I believe. Uh, I actually was in there when UC went down there to play Indiana two years ago. Like, we stopped by Assembly Hall. Like, it's just a historic venue. But overall, like, I, I covered a game there last year at Assembly Hall. And KU yeah. played there. Yeah, that atmosphere in awesome. Assembly Hall – is unlike any other. Like it is. It's a historic place. Yeah, it's a historic place. Like Indiana fans truly bring it. Like they make they make it tough for opposing teams. But overall, this one is at Purdue, so I am going to be curious. How does Purdue maintain that home court advantage? What will their fans bring the energy? But overall, it's going to be a neck and neck battle. It's going to be blow for blow. So it's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah, for sure, Neil. And uh, the last thing we wanted to cover before we get out of here today is talk about the big game tonight as uh, today's a little mid-major Monday outside of uh, pretty much just like three games, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. But the really game that we want to talk about here is Kansas TCU. So what are your thoughts? Or not Kansas TCU. What am I saying? It is Kansas TCU. It I'm is tripping. Kansas TCU. I was about to say Baylor TCU. For Kansas versus TCU, what are your thoughts for this game tonight? Yeah. Um, so – Kansas TCU kick, uh, tips off tonight at 9 p.m. on ESPN. But overall, this game this game could go either way. TCU is currently two-point favorites heading into tonight. But this Kansas team's on a tear. This TCU team's on a fall. Like, they're on one of their skids. Like, they're up as high as, I believe, what, 11 mm-hmm. as of two weeks ago? Now they're sitting. Like, they're barely in the top 25. They're sitting at 24 in the latest AP polls. Obviously, they – we're without Mike Miles for a while due to that injury. But overall, like, this is going to be a fun one to watch. Like, Big 12 basketball is the best conference in all of college basketball. I think everyone knows that. Yeah. They know how much talent is there. We talked about it earlier. But, however, TCU absolutely dominated Kansas early in the mm-hmm. season. It was a 23-point loss or a 23-point win for TCU, 23-point loss for Kansas. But I, I'm curious to see how Kansas responds. You had the three games – First top 15 opponents get in the win column. So Kansas is on a tear. But however, 
does Kansas have the physicality to match up with the guy like Eddie Lumpkin inside? Yeah, that's the question. I mean, Jalen Wilson, he's not the biggest guy. He's their best player, obviously. But is he the guy who can match up with Lumpkin, like you said? Um, I want to see how TCU can guard Jalen Wilson tonight because Jalen Wilson dominated last game. They did get blown out, but Wilson was dominant, 30 points on over 50% shooting. How will TCU adjust to him? And if TCU sends doubles, you know, um, really tries to key on Jalen Wilson, then can Grady Dick step up is a huge question mark for tonight. Yeah, and me personally, I think the difference maker for Kansas in this one, if they want to continue to make it five in a row, get that big climb, try to bounce back to a top number one opponent or a top team in all of college basketball, obviously they're sitting at number three, climbed up from number five in this latest pool, but I think the difference maker tonight will be Kevin McCuller. How will Kevin McCuller respond? Yeah, I agree with you there, Neil. And if I, if I did have to pick a winner tonight, I, I think I would go with Kansas, keeping it going. They're just playing a lot better basketball mm-hmm. right now. Mike Miles Jr. is just not at the level yet. He's still getting back into the flow of everything. He's not back to what he was before the injury and everything. But TCU is still a really good team. I still think they can make a run for sure. It's just Mike Miles Jr. He's not at that level that he's been yet, just coming back from an injury. It's nothing against him. It's just he's coming back from an injury is all. Yeah, So and plus he's missed some time. Shahada Wells stepped in uh, in his absence. But I'm curious how this TCU team responds. I do think TCU has a little bit more of a versatile offense. Mm-hmm. I think they have more playmakers. Obviously, Kansas has been known to – predominantly run out of Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson. Like that's going to be 60% of your points more than likely out of those two guys. So I'll be curious to see how TC, how Kansas can come out and handle guys like Damian Ball, Mike Miles, Eddie Lumpkin on the inside, Shahada Wells off the bench, or if they go small, like how does Kansas respond to that? So we're going to be in for a test tonight here on ESPN uh, for a big 12 showdown. So it's going to be the game to watch. It might arguably be the game of the week. Definitely the game of the Monday. Yeah, definitely game of the night, 9 o'clock ESPN. But overall, it's going, to, it's going to be a Big 12 showdown. So I'm very curious to see how TCU responds and how Kansas likes to keep the ball rolling. Yeah, exactly. And then two other games to watch. If you want to tune in to West Virginia, Oklahoma State, or Duke-Louisville. Those are two more big games Time in, on today's slate, actually, because – not really that big of games, but just for today's slate because it's mid-major Monday, baby. <laughs> and that West Virginia-Oklahoma State game, too, it's in a must-win situation for West Virginia. If they want to even make it into the tournament, they're currently sitting on the last four out. But that's a big win for West Virginia. Oklahoma State has always been a sneaky team. Yep. They like to make the late-season run. So just tune into ESPN tonight for some Big 12 action. Exactly, exactly. But uh, that was all for us today. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed our third episode of the podcast. We're going to be bringing this podcast to you guys two times a week, right? When a uh, conference yep. tournament starts. Conference tournament two times a week. And uh, without further ado, we'll see you guys all next week. See you guys. Yep. See you guys.